I'm Andy Stevenson and welcome to another episode of A Winning Mindset, Lessons from the Paralympics, brought to you by the International Paralympic Committee and their long-standing partner, Allianz. Together, our aim is for these podcasts to help you move forward in all aspects of your personal and professional lives. By hearing from Paralympic stars, you'll be introduced to stories that inspire and change the way you think. Stories of facing life's challenges with confidence, determination and excellence, and the true power of having the right team behind you. My guest in this episode is French wheelchair basketball player Grace Wembalua, who lost her mother and her brother in an arson attack on her home when she was just four years old. Grace herself had to have both legs amputated and suffered extensive burns across her body. She has now reached a place in her life where she no longer hides those scars and in fact uses them to help others with body confidence. One global beauty company has chosen Grace to advertise their products and as we're about to hear, she is definitely worth it. We began though by talking about the night of that terrible fire. At first I got really scared and that's when I went to hide. But then when the flames started coming towards me, I was like, oh my God, I'm scared and I want to go see my mom. So I literally just walked into the flames and that's when I started getting burned. I woke up three months after from the coma in hospital and my dad was just like sitting right next to me and he was dressed as a surgeon. He was the only person that was allowed to visit me because, you know, I was very fragile and stuff. And I asked him right away, where's mom? And then he started crying. And I was like, where's Timothy, my little brother? And he cried also. And that's basically how I knew that they were gone. I remember feeling my legs very, very heavy. And I didn't really understand what was going on. And when I tried to lift them up, I saw that they were very short. So I asked him, what's going on with my legs. I can feel them very heavy. Why are they so short? Why do I not have my feet? And then he explained to me that I have a new body now and that I was going to have to learn how to live in this new body and that my legs were not part of that new body anymore. So it was very hard to process all of this as a four years old. Yeah. Do you look back now as an adult and and think about the survivor element, the fact that everybody else in that building died. A lot of times I wonder how I've actually survived because I stayed in this fire for three hours, which is a long time, and I was on my own. And I remember passing out. There's parts of my body that aren't burned at all. My face was completely saved. My whole left arm is completely saved. And a bunch of other parts of my body are completely not burned. So I really wonder, you know, like, how did I actually pass out? Probably if it was in a different position, I would have been dead. Maybe if I would have been asleep at the time, I would have died also. But I think I just had a lucky star with me that night. And how did your injuries change the way you interacted with other children as you grew up? I'm sure you know, but kids are very curious. And it's a good thing. But at the time, for me, it was very tough because my accident happened just so recently and I was not ready to talk about it. Whenever I would go to the park or even to school, kids would ask me, oh, what happened to you? You know, I was really excited to go 
play with kids and meet kids, but I was always very, very anxious about having to explain what happened to me. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how much to say. And my adoptive mom was just like, say whatever you want to say. If you say that you don't want to talk about it, I'm sure they're not going to force you to talk about it. And then I would just say, okay, I got burned. And then kids have this amazing capacity of just moving on very quickly. So, you know, they had their response to the question and then we would just play. Yes, I, I, I listen to you and I'm nodding my head here because actually I, I was born with no hands and I wear an artificial leg myself as well. And there's a definite distinction between children and that stage. And as you say, I absolutely agree that children tend to just accept and go, oh, okay then. But actually then the next phase, the teenage years, can be difficult for people with disabilities, can it? It's a very image conscious time. So how was that teenage period for you? Oh my God, it was definitely the most complicated period of my life. And I think that's where my journey with accepting my body actually started because teenagers are more judgmental and they are also growing into their own body and into their own minds. And on days where like my legs would hurt me a little more, when I went to secondary school, I would just say, oh, I have a problem with my knee, you know? (laughs) So nobody knew. But then one day they were like, okay, now we're going to go to gym class and we're going to start by doing swimming. So I was like, wow, okay, I'm not going to be able to hide myself. So I think I need to tell my friends. So before that class, I told my friends, hey guys, I need to have an important meeting with you guys. And they were like, okay. And I was like, so nervous. And I was like, I'm sorry, guys, I need to tell you, I'm going to tell you just right now, straight away, but I'm missing both of my legs and I have a lot of burns on my body. And they were all like, uh, okay, so. (laughs) And I was almost disappointed because I was like, I made a whole deal about this. You know, I was so nervous. I thought about it for a week prior to telling them. And now they're just (laughs) telling me that to them, it basically doesn't matter. So, They told me that they had no beef with that, that they didn't care. And that if I needed any help from them in the swimming pool or in the changing room, they would just help me out. And we went to that class and we all had a blast together. It's remarkable. You managed to hide it for for such a a period of time. I guess, do do you wish you just told people, told your friends straight off, you know, from from the start? Would your life have been a little bit easier? Definitely. (laughs) I was interested to know whether it was the burns you felt more self-conscious about or your prosthetic limbs, or can you not sort of choose? At first, I was more self-conscious about my legs, my prosthetics. But nowadays, I am more self-conscious about my burns because if I don't tell that I have prosthetics, people don't know unless I wear a skirt or a very tight, slim jeans, you know? But when summertime comes, I have no choice but to be wearing a t-shirt and then people are going to see my burns. I am more self-conscious about my burns, 100%, than my legs. There's a great article with you in the Marie Claire Beauty magazine in France. And one of the lines I read that stayed with me says, you had to learn how to face the gaze of others when your body is diminished. How does it make you feel when people stare at you? When people stare at me, it makes me actually very uncomfortable. There are days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out today and I'm in a very good mood and I'm going to wear maybe a more risky outfit. 
like maybe a skirt, a dress, or even just a, a shirt that is going to be more revealing. But because I'm already in that good mood and going to reveal myself to the world, I already expect looks and people staring at me. But on days where I'm just going to the store, doing something just basic, I can see people staring at me. Then it makes me very uncomfortable. I just want to be like everybody else. And there was this one time where I was in America. And as soon as I got into the store, the first person that I saw was a burn survivor. And I was like, wow, that's actually the first time that I meet a burn survivor because the only other one that I know I met through Instagram. And he was like, oh my God, you're burned also. And I was like, yeah. And he asked me if I was in pain with my scars. And I was like, no, what about you? He told me the only time I'm in pain is when I look at myself in the mirror. I never want to be in the position where I don't like my image in the mirror. You know, I should be proud of it. Dealing with people looking at me and stuff is something that I work on every day. It's almost as if I'm challenging myself. So even on days where I could stay in my comfort zone, because whenever I come back home, it's just me. And I'm like, well, I survived. You know, it wasn't that hard. I mean, this whole issue is much wider than disability, isn't it? There'll be people listening to this who are stared at or they are mocked because, you know, they might not be slim enough or they have the wrong color hair or they wear the wrong kind of clothes. You know, people can be very nasty, both in person and and on social media, which we'll come to in a moment. But why do you think it is that people do stare and do mock others for the way they look? Because as disabled people, we are a minority. You know, there, there are a lot of disabled people in, in the world, don't get me wrong, but how many other disabled kids did you have in your classroom when you were a kid? I'm sure not many, you know. For a lot of my friends, I am their only disabled friends. Kids are more bold. <laughs> They're not really scared to ask questions. I think a lot of adults or teenagers don't really know what's the appropriate way to approach someone that is disabled or different. And for people who are mocking, I think they are really speaking to their own insecurities. But I think at times when people are insecure within th themselves, to see another person that is different and cast aside by society, being actually confident, more confident than them, and doing stuff that themselves would not necessarily do, just make them act like ignorant people and, you know, they mock that other person. But I think that as long as you're comfortable within yourself, whatever other people will feel about you will not matter. And Whenever I go out, I just see it as an opportunity to teach people, you know, to show people that like different kind of body exists. And I'm telling myself by going out, I can show people what a burn survivor is. And the next time they see one, they don't stare at a kid or at a teenager. Then that's a mission that I would have succeeded. I like you have this every day, uh, you know, people will look at me and funny enough, when it's children, I don't mind at all, because as you say, children are curious, and they're not going to quite know how to uh, behave in, in that kind of polite way. I'll often hear, you know, mum, that man's got no hands, or what's wrong with that man? You know, that kind of thing. 
you yeah. get used to and you sort of just deal with and of course it's not the child's fault and I would much rather the child come and ask me a question I've had it where the child comes and says you know where where are your hands and the child's parents get get so embarrassed and I try to say no no don't worry don't yeah. worry I think I think it's when adults stare yeah. and it's not just a it's not just a glance or a second look it's a real stare or it's a nudging the person next yeah. to them or maybe laughing about you to your face that's 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 the line isn't it where it becomes unacceptable yeah disrespectful if yeah. kids can come and ask me a question as adult we should be able to communicate so i would rather an adult ask me uh hey do you mind if i ask you this question then just staring at me for five seconds or even maybe like two times looking back you know because that's just rude but i also think that we actually lack of representation in today's society so when i see like brands like barbie you know, including Paralympians to their range of Barbies or Barbies in wheelchairs, you know, Barbies with a prosthetic. I think it's amazing. And I hope that more brands jump on that wave of inclusivity. Absolutely. How how have you gone from then the teenager who took quite a while to admit to her friends that she had uh, prosthetic limbs and, and burns to now somebody who is, as I said earlier, being featured in Marie Claire magazine, for example, and, and putting yourself out there and showing off your body. I mean, it's a hugely significant moment for a, for a magazine like that to feature somebody like you. So how have you made that transition? It was very hard and it pretty much came out of nowhere. But with social media being such a part of my life as, you know, a, a, a young women, I was like, okay, maybe I can start sharing my journey and my story on there. And I had, you know, some journalists being like, oh, can you do an interview for us? And then from there, L'Oreal asked me to become an ambassador of one of their brands. And we did many interviews with Marie Claire, for example. And I was like, wow, I have now a platform to educate people about differences and you know as a little girl I'm not gonna lie I always like wanted to become famous or to be a star or something (laughs) and I never thought that it was going to be possible because I was different and I never saw anybody looking different on tv or in magazines and when all of these opportunities started coming my way I thought, wow, maybe this is my time, you know? And then there's a model that I really look up to. Uh, her name is Winnie Harlow and she has Ligo, and she's gorgeous. And I told myself, I do not know a burn survivor that is actually famous or that is doing interviews with, you know, um, big magazines or that is even working with such a big brand as L'Oreal. I just told myself, wow, use this opportunity for yourself to meet people, to enjoy what you've been wanting to do for ages, and then educate people around you and just spread love and positivity. Because like you said, it's not just about disability. It's just about inclusion of insecurities in the sense that there's pictures that I post on Instagram where 
I show myself wearing a swimsuit for the first time in years, you know, and there's females that were like 50 years old that messaged me and they told me how after their pregnancies, they never got back the body that they had before. And they always were self-conscious for so many years about it and never thought that they would be good looking enough to wear a swimsuit ever again. And they told me, seeing the courage and the bravery that you had to do it showed me that I can do it. And it's going to be the first time this summer that I'm going to go back to the beach with my kids again. To me, that's just about now empowering people, whether you're a man or female, if you don't feel like you completely fit in today's society, I want to show people that even in a society where you're supposed to fit in, you can be different and still be part of that society. Like we are like a rainbow of different colors and shades and bodies. And I just want people to feel empowered and brave whenever they see me or whenever they see my story. How does that make you feel when, when a lady gets in contact with you like that and says, you are the reason that I've been confident enough to wear my swimsuit this summer? I'm just an emotional wreck <laughs> because <laughs> I know how hard it is. It is very vulnerable from them to open up to me like that, you know, so I feel very blessed. I'm just so proud of them and I just wish I could just hug them and <laughs> you know, I'm just like their first cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about social media, particularly Instagram, which I know is the platform you use most. What impact has that had on you and how you feel about your body? Well, I think uh, ever since I started my journey on Instagram, I became much more confident. I don't think I ever was that much of a confident person when it came to my body because I was the only one different. I never really had anybody to look up to. But now that I had people looking up to me and encouraging me, it just made me much more confident and I'm more outgoing. So, you know, before, whenever I had to meet people or get into a new environment, I was always thinking about, oh my God, how am I going to have to interact with these people? Do I have to wear a long sleeve shirt? Do I tell them how different I am right away. And now that's just questions that I don't even wonder anymore. So I think it makes my life much easier also because it's less draining on my mental health. Yeah, I think that the more I'm being vulnerable to the world, the more good is coming back to me. So I'm not going to lie. There are days where I don't feel 100%. There are even months where I don't feel 100% and I'm not going to post. But People actually understand that and they always cheer me up. So I always come back stronger. So I feel like my Instagram is kind of like my diary because people pretty much know my whole life on there. So you do have moments where you're critical of yourself or you have those same self-conscious moments that you used to have? Yes. The, the thing is, I truly think that I was and still am always afraid that people are going to judge me. But at the end of the day, I definitely think that I am my toughest critic, you know? And there's times where I'm like, I'm scared about going out with my friends and them feeling ashamed of me. But my half-sister, she's very, very beautiful. She's um, Miss Paris. She's definitely like the definition of 
beauty standards, perfection. And she always tells me like, I am the one that is almost ashamed or feel little about going out with you because you are so much and you've done so much. I haven't done much. The fact that she is looking up to me and someone so close to me that has always been very honest, I just realized that no matter what I do, I can hide myself for three months, but it's never going to bring any solution. I'm still going to be grace with my two prosthetics and my burn scars. I try to be consistent with my journey. So to every day, make a little effort. You know, I actually can't remember the last time I went out wearing a long sleeve shirt when it was warm. And to me, it's a massive achievement because even in 2016, when I first participated to the, to my Paralympics, I wasn't as comfortable as I thought I would be. So I just, I just like force myself and I go with that quote that I saw on social media that says, fake it till you make it. The more people see you confident, the more they're going to warm up to you and just treat you as if you are just normal, if I can say, not pay attention to your differences. I mean, as we know, social media is not always a nice place, a generous place. Does that actually make quite an impact when people are nasty to you or about you on social media? At first, it was hard for me to read like some nasty comments. And then I would even respond to them. I would spend so much time responding to those comments. And I was like, it's actually draining. So I decided to stop. And now, like, sometimes my followers, if they see the comments before I do, they shut them up for me. Or now I just block them. And it's very easy to block people. And it brings me such a peace of mind. I'm, I'm happy I don't have many, you know, nasty comments. But whenever I have, I just block them. I guess we're so used to the idea of social media being all about airbrushing and filters, not really showing people the real you or the real life that you're having. How do you feel about that sense of social media giving people an, an unhealthy view of reality? Well, it's definitely sad. Myself, I know how to make the difference between a picture that is very edited and photoshopped and a picture that isn't. But I think that younger people, you know, are not always able to make that difference and actually make them feel insecure and self-conscious about themselves. So I would say that's the part of social media that I do not like. But the if I had an advice to give is just follow people that inspire you. You know, do not follow people that make you feel self-conscious about yourself because it is actually more draining on your mental health than what you can ever imagine. I just try to hop on that wave of body positive, try to make social media a better environment, a, a healthier environment when it comes to filters and editing your pictures and stuff. Even some celebrities are starting to show more and more, you know, their stretch marks and the days where they don't have good skin and just like accept yourself as, as you are. And when it comes to your body confidence, Grace, are there particular techniques or strategies you use to try and keep that confidence high, even on days where you might actually be feeling a little bit low? It might sound crazy, 
But on days where I feel a little bit low, I try to talk to myself. I actually talk to myself a lot <laughs> in the mirror. And I've started with this exercise where you have to write down 10 things that you like about yourself. And out of those 10 things, try to embrace one of them uh, or all of them, if you can, during that day where you feel particularly low. And I just think it really helps me out. Taking pictures also really helps me out because whenever you take pictures at first, you're a little bit uncomfortable. But then after, whenever the, the pictures are like come back to you and they look good, you're going to feel good about yourself also, you know? So maybe wear a good outfit that you feel comfortable in and take some pictures. And what are the bits you like about yourself, especially? Oh my God. I think I would say... I like my face a lot because people have always told me how my face tells a lot. When I'm very happy, you can tell. When I'm a little bit more sad, you can tell. When I'm mad, you can also really tell. So I think that's a very funny side of me. But in general, I would just say that I love my scars. There's some scars that I'm more uncomfortable with, but there's actually a bunch of scars that I really love, you know? That would actually potentially surprise and shock shock people can you explain that a little further what what is it that makes you love some of your scars um some of my scars i love because i actually remember how tough the surgery was and how painful it was and at the time i hated that you know that whole process but now i just re-find them kind of like art if i can say you know some of them are just shaped in a weird way or very differently than any other burn scars that I can have on my body. And because they are different, I just learn to love them and find, find them just really cool. Because I truly think that I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for these scars. Time for one shot from France when Belize is going needs to take it. She goes all the way herself and lays it in at the buzzer. Buzzer beater by Grace Wembelija. That's just beautiful work by her. And how has being a Paralympian helped you create this profile where you're now in a position to, to help other people? I mean, has playing for the, the French wheelchair basketball team helped change how people view you? Yes, definitely. So when i first joined the national academy in france uh in 2012 we were the only sports that was disabled so we were surrounded by able-bodied athletes i realized when the first game happened i was like wow they're actually going to see me you know vulnerable without my legs wearing you know the jersey that really shows my scars and everything and how are they going to react to that and the funny thing is that after the game, I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, okay, let me go shower, put my legs on, and then I'll come back. And he was like, what? You don't have your legs on right now? <laughs> you were here for the whole game and you didn't notice that I wasn't wearing my prosthetics during the game. And I was like, wow. So you <laughs> see people are so focused on the performance that they actually do not pay attention to what you are missing or what mm. you have. And that's the point, isn't it, of the Paralympics, really? It's elite sport, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it's, and 
you know, like sometimes uh, as as a Paralympian, I don't feel valued because we are not really represented in the media. But when around you, you have people that actually just focus on the sport itself and are impressed and amazed by the performance. I'm like, yes, this is the power of being a Paralympian. In society, we are described as disabled people, but we are actually more able than what we think and what society actually think. So that definitely helped people change the way they view me. You know, even my family, a lot of times when I was younger, whenever my family would come around, they would ask me questions about my health. It was always like, oh, so how are you doing with your new prosthetic legs? Are you in pain? Do you still have fender pains? And it was very caring, but I just wanted to talk about another topic. And when I became a Paralympian, it was like, how's your season going? That's an amazing feeling. When, when do you think the tipping point was where suddenly Paralympians came into the mainstream a little bit more, not just in sports coverage, but as we've talked about, you're, you're on the front of fashion magazines, you're the face of a beauty product. Was there a particular moment in time where those kind of things became possible, do you think? I think that after the Paralympics in London, things changed a lot for athletes, you know, for Paralympians. Because they did such a great, great job with media coverage and stuff, you know. Paralympians, you gave to the world feats of speed, endurance, dexterity and skill many did not think possible. You led the world's media to wax lyrical over your performances and left millions of Paralympic sports fans hungry and desperate for more. The Paralympic Games have truly come home and found their pathway to the future here in London. That's when I really started playing Paralympian sports in 2012 and I felt like people were already very receptive. And then in France for the 2016 Paralympics, people were actually very hooked on it. So I was living in Bordeaux and the mayor printed a whole billboard where my picture was on it. And my picture was also on like buses and it was saying something like, Grace is going and we're going with her. You know, I'm a female, I'm black, <laughs> I'm disabled. That's a lot of things that people would consider as a disadvantage, but for a whole city to support me in that sense and post big, big pictures of myself with a message of encouragement. It was actually mind-blowing, and I think that it really changed the way people were seeing disabled sports. Well, Grace, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I mean, I just... You've given me so much to think about there and I'm sure people listening will feel the same, just the way you approach things and you put yourself out there so confidently and so proudly. It's very inspirational. I know some people don't like the word inspirational, but uh, it's been inspiring <laughs> to me. <laughs> so thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Well, I was so impressed by Grace's honesty, passion 
and outlook on life, which is the point of these podcasts, brought to you by the International Paralympic Committee and long-standing partner Allianz. She typifies the power of certain Paralympic athletes who can transcend sport and change the way people view those of us with disabilities. Please do rate, review and subscribe to hear more episodes featuring the likes of Johnny Peacock and Tatiana McFadden. Next week, my guest will be Daniel Chan of Hong Kong, one of the most exciting Paralympic badminton players. He'll be talking to us about self-acceptance and self-understanding as he's adjusted to life with a disability following a road accident. Speak then. Speak then.